I pray that today you find this message interesting. I pray that it inspires you to dig into to God's Word. I pray it instills in you to, the desire to know the truth and to humbly search the Scriptures and to hear what it says and to always act upon it with courage. The lesson comes from 1 Corinthians, as we've been studying. One of the major themes is spiritual gifts. When you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, it becomes very apparent that these are miraculous spiritual gifts. And these gifts were given to strengthen and to confirm the church in its infancy. The body of Christ, as we spoke about last week, that there is one body, they had miraculous gifts that confirmed that Christ was in them, confirmed the message, and those gifts strengthened them. But Paul, as he writes, warns that those gifts will be done away. Today, I make the case that they have, in fact, been done away. They have passed away. So that is much of the lesson is considering that fact and then also considering the implications of why that's important for us to know and to learn. So the church in Corinth had many issues, many issues with unity. They had problems getting along, and that is, you read through, start from chapter 1 to chapter 16, it's, it's through there all the time. It's like, you guys are not getting along. You're not the one body that you're supposed to be. One body, one body, one body, come on. We have this communion feast that shows that we are one. We participate in Him together. Communion, togetherness, fellowship. We are one. Let us honor Christ in this body. And so the church there in Corinth was having a real problem, real difficulty with that. And it turns out, as you read through, part of the central part, well, I guess it's towards the, the latter part, and when you start getting the chapters 12 through 14, there's only 16 chapters, you start seeing the spiritual gifts as one of the areas where they really had problems. Instead of the gifts bringing them closer together, the gifts were pulling them apart. And in chapters 12 through 14, he addresses these gifts to try to bring them together in unity. I provide in the outline a summary. So here, I'm just going to read the summary. I'm going to mention the, uh, the, the places where you can turn and reference. And hopefully you can read through there and you say, yeah, this is a pretty good summary. Pretty straightforward. I hope you'll say amen to this. I hope I haven't... Of course, you always lose some nuance when you summarize things, but here it is. Summary. The one Spirit gave many gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. Many gifts. And though they had received different gifts, all members of the body are important and equal. And that's in chapters 12, 14 through 20 and following. Now, since I'm not reading all of the verses, I want to go ahead and highlight some of the spiritual gifts before we continue reading the summary. Many different gifts. They had different gifts, different abilities, miraculous in nature, but they were there wasn't one gift better than the other, made somebody else better than the other. I actually would say there was one gift. Prophecy is what they wanted. Paul encouraged him to get. But the gifts 
whatever one you got, it didn't make you a lesser part of the body. Every part is important and equal. So in chapter 12, verses, uh, starting in verse number 8, it says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith in the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another kinds, various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of of tongues, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So different members of the body had different gifts, miraculous gifts, the Holy Spirit showing up in them in a powerful way and enabling to do them to do healings, to speak in a language that they don't know, that they hadn't been taught. To do these amazing things. It's really a remarkable, wonderful thing. Continuing in the summary then. Chapter 14 may indicate that speaking in tongues, other languages, was the primary cause of confusion. I do want to read these verses. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. Um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse number uh, 33, um, here is a, an instance that says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in, all the saint, as in all the churches of the saints. So there was apparently the speaking in tongues that he was speaking about before here, causing some confusion. Those gifts, all of the spiritual gifts, successfully served the purpose of, to strengthen and confirm the testimony concerning Christ. So you got all of these different gifts. Some of them were really causing some confusion in the church. But I want to point out, make very clear that these gifts did have a purpose and they did serve their purpose. All the way back in chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him. In other words, you were made strong, you were enriched, made powerful in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you so that you are not lacking any gift. Awaiting eagerly the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to point out that as, as you read through there, it might not be obvious, but I think this is a reference, and I'll confirm it later, this is a reference to miraculous gifts. The miraculous gifts were given, and, and in this context, that was making the church strong, making them enriched in speech and knowledge, which if you're able to speak in tongues, that's a pretty powerful enrichment. So they were made strong in this way. And notice also the word confirmed. Verse 6, the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. How was the message of Christ confirmed whenever the apostles went forth and proclaimed the gospel? The confirmation of the message was confirmed through the doing of miracles. 
A prophet, just as in the Old Testament, a prophet, the message was always confirmed by the fact that it came true or that the messenger was able to do amazing things. Moses putting, putting his staff down and becoming a snake. The messenger was always confirmed through miracles. And the same was true in the early church. Okay, so the gifts had their purpose. The gifts are not bad. The gifts were kind of used to cause confusion, especially it seems the speaking of tongues. But that doesn't make them bad. It just means they were being used incorrectly. Last statement in the summary. However, Paul warned that those miraculous gifts would be done away. And those verses were the verses that were read in our scripture today. Chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. So I hope you'll look at that summary. Consider the content, because it is very important. Help set the scene for what we're going to understand as we look at some specifics about miraculous gifts of the Spirit. Because... Healings, speaking in tongues, some miraculous things. They, there are still churches today who claim to do those things. And you need to be able to say, well, are they really doing it? And if they're really doing it, then why am I not doing it if I'm not doing it? you got to ask these questions. You have to think, what is the truth? Look to Scripture and see. So I hope this message today will help you consider this very important topic. Specifics on miraculous gifts of the Spirit. Number one, the miraculous gifts were given only through the laying on of the apostles' hands with only one notable and very important and reasonable exception. The miraculous gifts, was they were anybody who had a miraculous gift, anybody who had in Corinth had miraculous gifts. I would ask you to consider if this statement is true or not. How did they get that gift? Was it when they were immersed into Christ or when they first believed? Or when, what, when was it? Or when, they were in, when, when the apostles came and laid their hands on them? And it is the latter which I would contend I'd ask for you to consider. Miraculous gifts were given only through the laying on of the apostles' hands. One exception. If you don't know that exception, read through the book of Acts. It's very important. And this is outside of Acts chapter 2. I'm going past the apostles. They, they received the Holy Spirit, came down on them as, as tongues of fire, right? And then they began speaking in tongues on that day of Pentecost. Very neat occasion. But that, or there was one other occasion after that where people received miraculous gifts, speaking in tongues, without an apostle laying their hands on them. And it was very important that it happened that way. That was God's plan. But most of the others, anybody else who spoke in tongues, had miraculous works, healings, it came through the apostles laying their hands on those people. So read through the book of Acts. But I also want to note one thing. So here we go with comparing 1 Corinthians 1 with Romans chapter 1. Now before you start reading this, there, having assuming you've already read Acts, you'll know 
that Paul was the one who started the church in Corinth. Paul was at Corinth. The apostle Paul was in Corinth. So it makes sense that the people would be able to do miraculous works because Paul had been there to lay his hands on the people, all the believers. He laid his hands upon them, gave them, he prayed over them, laid hands on them, and asked the Spirit to come into them. Now, if an apostle hadn't been to people who had been immersed into Christ, I just said that wrong. If Paul had not been to people who had been immersed into Christ, believers that hadn't had an apostle visit them, they were believers because someone else other than an apostle taught them. Would they be able to speak in tongues, uh, perform miracles or healings or interpret tongues? Would they be able to do those things? Would they be able to prophesy and prophesy with the accuracy of the Holy Spirit? You would say no. So notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we already read verses 4 through 7. I indicated that he, he was acknowledging that they had spiritual gifts. Verse 7 says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any gift. It was confirmed they weren't lacking anything. They had these spiritual gifts, just as he indicates by writing the letter. Your spiritual gifts are all out of whack. Get them under control. Chapters 12 through 14, that is. Paul had been there. They had miraculous gifts. Now if you flip back to Romans chapter 1, I encouraged you to do this a couple of, well, several weeks ago, maybe a couple of months now. I hinted at this, this uh, information and encourage you to look at it and compare these chapters. In Romans chapter 1, we are going to read verses 10 through 12. Paul talking about praying. He says, always in my prayers, making request, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. That indicates very clearly that Paul has not been successful in making his way to the Christians in Rome. He has not been to Rome. He's saying, I'm praying that I can come to you. Verse 11, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. That you may be established. In other words, confirmed. Same word. Same word he uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He uses here in Romans chapter 1. Confirmed. Established. Remember in 1 Corinthians, they were established through the gifts that they had received. They weren't lacking in any spiritual gift. They had the gifts of the Spirit, and it confirmed the testimony of Christ in them. Here in Romans chapter 1, he doesn't say that the Spirit has confirmed you. He's saying, I want to come and impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. Verse 12, that is, I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. So he wants to go there. I hear him saying, he doesn't say this explicitly, but it's in there. I want to come lay my hands on you and ask the Holy Spirit to come and reside in you in this miraculous way. 
Comparing 1 Corinthians 1 and Romans chapter 1 confirms that miraculous gifts of the Spirit were not received at one's conversion. These people were already saved. They had already been converted. Somebody had already baptized them. They had already believed. But they did not yet have the miraculous gifts. Paul wants to come and impart something to them. They weren't given the gifts at their conversion, but through the laying on of apostles' hands. Only through the laying on of apostles' hands. So I just state that firmly. That's the, that's the message. That's the truth of this scripture. The truth of Romans. Truth of Acts. The truth of 1 Corinthians. Now, back to 1 Corinthians. Some more specifics regarding miraculous gifts. And as he starts talking about the tongues, it becomes clear that miraculous gifts could be controlled. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two, or at the most three, and each in turn. And one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. That is very clear that tongues can be controlled. You take turns. If somebody's going to speak in a tongue, eh, just two of you, or maybe three, take turns in turn. It's a very simple concept. Okay? That's a fact. Number three, another point on spiritual gifts can, pertaining to tongues in particular is that tongues were to be interpreted every time. In that same set of scriptures, it makes clear, verses 27 and 28, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most, in turn, and one must interpret. Do tongues ever go uninterpreted in the Lord's church according to the truth of his instruction? No, never. You would never have somebody speaking in another language and it not be interpreted to the rest of the people. That is the teaching, very clear, in particular to the topic of tongues. Number four, a specific thing regarding the miraculous spiritual gifts, is that the gifts were to bring peace, peace, not disorder or confusion. So we already read chapter 14, verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Verse That chapter ends um, with verse 40. It says, But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. That's why you don't have two or three people speaking in tongues. At the same time, you take turns. Not chaos, not disorder. But God is a God of order. Things must be done properly and in order. Okay. So all of this. 
uh, you know, throwing a lot out there real quick. I hope you'll study it. And if I've misspoken about anything, please correct me. Uh, please let me know. Here's some points then that, to me, help us just understand the truth of what we've already seen. I've never seen items two and three honored in churches that claim to have miraculous gifts of the Spirit. I'm not saying that there aren't some who actually seem to follow the instructions that are given here, but when you consider churches that have uh, speaking in tongues and prophesying, prophetic utterances, any, you know, it's just, they tend to not be in control. Well, the Holy Spirit, I was slain by the Spirit is the language you might hear. And somebody starts speaking in tongues over here and once it infects one person, it goes to somebody else and pretty soon everybody in the congregation might be up speaking in tongues and uh, being in disorder. Uh, number three says tongues were to be interpreted every time. I, I don't know of a church that has ever claimed that we, we follow that verse. And if somebody speaks in a tongue, somebody else always interprets it. Um, I actually, I have an instance mentioned here that actually kind of does indicate at least one church tried to do this. Back in 1967, there was a church that did this with the, uh, that, well, I'll mention it here in a second. But in item number three, peace versus disorder. These churches, I've, I've heard um, uh, in my next point in, the, in my language here on the outline, it says, I have heard of a Christian man, he mocked the craziness of the church where his father preached when he was young. He was like, everybody's up, hopping around, it was, and everybody's speaking in tongues, and somebody's saying, we, he said, we had a balcony in the church, and uh, I remember my, he, he said his father, preacher, pointed up in the balcony and says, there it is, I see the, the Spirit. And, and he says, I was a little kid, I looked up there, there wasn't anything, you know. <laughs> so he separated himself from that, having grown up in it, even trust, even saying, I no longer trust my father as an authority in the scriptures because it wasn't true. My next uh, point, it says, if you had the gift of healing, would you not spend every day, spend time every day in the hospital? If you were able to heal people from being sick, would you not? All of you good people, would you not go to the hospital every day and do something good with that gift to bring glory and honor to Christ? I'd be there. Seems like anybody else out there, if there's still miraculous ability to speak in tongues, it seems like there would also be miraculous gifts of healing. And those folks would be using that in hospitals, on street corners, wherever they went. But no, we don't see it. We see instances of it on maybe TV or some things. Um, next point. It says in 1967, the Pleasant Hills Church in Cincinnati, this is where Richard and Jane came from. They brought with them a document, and in this book that they had created, one of the things that they had done, I've got two and a half pages, and it talks about a test they did in a Pentecostal church where they were testing, quote, the supernatural powers that this, claim, this church claimed to be able to um, enact. The test proved them to be false. Just for instance, one of the things they did here is um, this was actually Jane's father. I want to mention his name, Gilbert Greathouse, great man. Um, so he knew 
Greek. And he went to this meeting, this Pentecostal meeting, where supernatural gifts apparently were known to exist. And he quoted Matthew 5, 34, 35, and 37. He quoted the Bible verse in this big meeting with uh, many people present. Except he didn't quote the verse in English. He spoke it in Greek. The verse that he quoted from, he's speaking in Greek. He said, but I tell you, uh, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. But let your word be yes, yes, or no, no, for anything more than these is from the evil one. Words of Jesus, you recognize those words. He quoted those words, speaking in Greek, in a meeting full of people who claimed to be filled with the Spirit. The Pentecostal preacher stepped up to the public address system and gave the following interpretation. So there was somebody who did an interpretation, wasn't there? Somebody interpreted Jane's father. Gave the following interpretation of the message which can be delivered, which had been delivered in a tongue, in another language. Here's his interpretation. The scales from the eyes of man can be removed, and they can see if the... They desire to seek the Spirit of the Lord, for I am the Lord God that is in the midst of thee to do great and mighty works. My Spirit is drawing, striving, crying to loose thee, to set you free, that there might be a great revival service and that souls will be added to the kingdom of God. And he goes on. Man who claimed to have miraculous gifts couldn't interpret the very word of God. Proven to be false. Now I think, to me, that's an interesting and a lovely test. But the reason they did the test is I suspect they knew what was going to happen. They knew that there was, since they knew the word of God, they knew there was no such thing as speaking in tongues, nor, well actually I can't say that's true, I should say no miraculous speaking in tongues. Because he knew the language. He wasn't speaking miraculously, but he was speaking in a tongue. The problem came when somebody who claimed to be miraculously interpreting it through the help of the Spirit failed to do so. So, a very difficult thing comes then, and there are people that you probably work with, maybe people you know, or, or people that live around you who claim to speak in tongues. Claim to have some other miraculous gift or that you can come to their church and the pastor will lay his hands on you and heal you. I do believe God can heal people. I pray that. I've been praying for healing a lot lately. But there's no one with that particular gift. No person. So it's difficult to come to this, this part of the sermon and say those people are liars. It's not easy. It's no, not an easy thing for any of us to look at those folks and say, you're delusional. You're, kind of, you're convinced somehow in your mind, your mind's messed up because this is not true. It's not easy to look at them and say, you're under the influence of some demonic spirit, not the spirit of God. But one of those three things has to be true. I, I'll rule out the influence of demons. I think there's... Certainly demons kind of play a part of it. But 
if they were under the direct influence of demons, I think demons probably are, they've been around a long time. I bet they know Greek. I bet they would have actually given the guy an interpretation. That didn't happen. So I'm going to rule out demonic influence. I think they're delusional. I think they're liars, one or the other. But those are the only possibilities. So here is the difficult thing. Here is the challenge for us all. Here's the challenge for young people and old people alike with a very difficult, very difficult topic. Miraculous gifts of the Spirit. I've maybe, I've come across making it simple today. Maybe I've oversimplified it. I don't know. It seems pretty simple to me, but it's a difficult topic. Point is this. Study the Word of God to know. Get into the book and learn it. Know God's Word and follow it and live it. We must be willing then to stand strong for the truth even when it's difficult. Even when you're eye to eye with somebody who says, All right, I can speak in tongues. Uh, Well, here's what I understand from Scripture. I don't know what you're doing, but here's what I know, and that's what Scripture says. Address it. Stand strong for the truth. The truth is what unites the church. If we don't know the truth, we're going to be split apart, wishy-washy. We're not going to know which way to go, and what's going to be trouble. Jesus wants us to be one. We've got to be united in his truth. False teaching must be opposed with truth and with love. So dig in and learn. Be challenged. A new year is coming up soon. Are you going to be in the book reading and studying and learning? We have to know the answers to difficult things. We have to stand in these things strong together. Let's be dedicated to what we say we believe. And let's teach the truth and do so with a great and wonderful love. The Spirit does abide in us. We're singing this song in a second, Abide with Me. We're in constant reliance upon the Spirit that is given to us when we're immersed into Him. And if anybody wants that Spirit in your life that is going to help you through the dark, difficult, troublesome days that you're going to experience from here until the day you die, some days better than others, but some days pretty hard. We need His Spirit. We need Him with us. I pray that if there's anybody who needs to give your life to Jesus, today's the day. If you need to respond to the invitation, Christ calls, I want to be living with you. I want to abide with you. Listen to him and obey. If you need to respond, please come as we stand and sing.